This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome along to the latest Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm your host, Matt Addison, with Ian Doyle and Sean Bradbury both with me this afternoon as we reflect on a frantic game at Stamford Bridge. We're going to be having a look back at the two-all draw with Chelsea and assessing the title race as things stand and then previewing the game with Arsenal in the Carabao Cup on Thursday. We are recording this live on YouTube and on Facebook, so if you do want to ask us any questions, you can throw those into the comments section and we'll come to the best of those later on in the show. But we're going to start with what was doily a victory for Manchester City in the game between Liverpool and Chelsea on Sunday. It was a great game for the neutral, probably less of a great game for both of the sides actually involved. But was a, a draw a fair reflection of the game, do you think, at the end? No, probably. I mean, the first half, Liverpool shouldn't have been 2 0 up, if we're being honest. I don't think they played particularly well, but they took the chances very well. And Chelsea, uh, you know, hit back. It's just the timing of those two goals just before half time. There's not much you could do about the first one. Uh, but the second one, a bit avoidable. But I'm sure Chelsea would say that about the two goals they conceded. So. Overall, I think a draw was the right result. Chelsea were the better team in open play, but Liverpool had the better chances. Uh, and yeah, Manchester City, uh, the big winners. But, you know, I can't, it's, it's before the game even started. I don't think either team thought, well, it, it's a bit weird, isn't it? There's still 18 games to go and Liverpool got 18 games to go. So anything can happen in that time. But history suggests that it probably won't. So uh, Liverpool just have to crack on with it. But uh there was, you know, as I say, there were good moments for Liverpool in the game. There were some bad ones, which I'm sure we'll come to over the course of the next half hour or so. But overall, if you look at it, for the players who were missing, the fact they didn't have a manager, the fact they were away at the European Champions, don't forget, who were second in the table, to get a 2-2 draw on the face of it is a good result. A blunt question to you, Sean, to, to start with. Is there any sort of hope for Liverpool or is that it? Is the title gone? Title race, oh yeah, no, I think that's um, that's ninety five percent gone, isn't it? It, it? It's strange though. I mean, I was just thinking about it. it. It's the draws, isn't it, so far that are, are really killing Liverpool, and that's happened before, hasn't it? You know, two thousand eight, two thousand nine was was the classic example. But it's just bizarre the way it's unfolded. You know, back then they were clogged up, stodgy, horrible draws where you know it wasn't a nice game to watch whatsoever. Where where these ones are just bizarre, aren't they? They're fast and loose entertaining draws in the main but you know hugely frustrating yeah I and mean, i think i think in terms of the title race absolutely it, it is gone but it, it, it's bizarre though isn't it because i think doily summed it up well there you know especially with what you're saying at the end where there, there are certain things that does frank the form of, of that game and make you think liverpool actually did a lot better than it looks on the face of it you know the fact that the manager wasn't in the dugout that throws things into disarray a little bit you know they did well to regroup around that and the fact that there were other absentees, you know, very senior ones. But it, it almost, for me, the game summed up the season so far in the sense of part of you wants to kind of really hammer Liverpool for the way they've they've let things slip, you know, so often these leads um, in situations where with, you know, with, with a few little changes or, you know, maybe different personnel that they don't have anymore or uh, are out injured, they, they should be able to settle and, and control games and they can't do that. And, you know, that, that's it's... It's just unforgivable, really, when City are, are, are piling on the pressure. You've got to be perfect, as we've said so many times. But then at the same time, you know, you, you did see the best of Liverpool at certain points in the game, you know, very good going forward. The, the way I think Liverpool responded to the, the start of the game when it was just like a 100-mile-an-hour mistake fest, you know, they, they got on top, didn't they, and managed to be cool and take the chances. 
Salah Mane obviously did really well. Kelleher, I thought, was probably the, the coolest man in the ground as well at the other end and did really well. But, yeah, you've just got to come back to this idea that they, they can't protect the lead. I think it, in the back of your mind, you think, if Liverpool are 2-0 up, look back at how they've been over the last couple of seasons, especially when they, when they won the title, not so much last season, but, you know, within recent memory of this Liverpool team, that idea of being able to control the game when you're in front was almost second nature to Liverpool. But, you know, I suppose overall, in, in the cold light of day, it's, it is a reasonable point away to a very good side. But reasonable points mean nothing, do they, in the face of City, stringing together 10, 11 wins in a row. But, yeah, I think there's, yeah, t- title, title gone. But there is plenty left to play for still this season. And that, that's how Liverpool have got to see it. Yeah, as much as, as Chelsea are, are very good, Dolly, the fact that Liverpool were in front and then have dropped points again, I think it's five games now where they've been in the lead and ended up not winning. Manchester City, by contrast, I think have taken the lead 17 times and won all 17. I mean, that is the difference, isn't it? It's what, an 11-point gap, those five games. Well, that's 10 points there that Liverpool will feel on other days on different occasions. They could have held on and, and got those points. But as Sean says, they just haven't had the control to be able to do that. No, well, part of the reason for that is the midfield and the fact they have not been able to have a settled midfield all season. And then when they do get players back, somebody else just drops out. You know, we've seen Thiago. If Thiago would have been playing in that game on Sunday, I don't think it would have finished too all. Well. Let's put it that way. I think um, I think while a lot's made of his passing, and his compo- but it's, it's his composure off the ball as well. He knows where to be. You know, that's why he's such a good player and that's why he works so well with Fabinho, who Fabinho, who... I thought was terrible against Chelsea and he wasn't particularly great against Leicester either. And both of those games have come after he, he had COVID and Van Dijk hasn't been particularly great since he came back. And these are obviously things that we don't, I think I may even mentioned this last week where we don't know for sure what impact it's going to have on not just these two players, but all the players. I mean, look over at Everton, I think Ben Godfrey had it and he, then he struggled for a while. Uh, for Chelsea, Kai Havertz had a bad bounce of it, didn't he? And then he, he struggled. Aston Villa last season, they had their big outbreak in the January when they were doing quite well and then they just fell away massively in the second half of the season. I mean, are these things linked? We will, you know, we won't know until, you know, years down the line probably when there's, there's so many case studies done. So that said, you know, Jordan Henderson and James Milner, neither those two actually, you know, particularly shone that well. I mean, that, that, I know, you know, the Team New Shield, and I tweet, I put out a tweet before the game about the Team New Shield, Liverpool losing it for the 300 and whatever time that Klopp's been in charge. And, 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 you know, quite a lot of the, uh, well, if, if people are called top reds, does this make these other ones bottom reds, by the way? Because that sounds awful. Right. So, uh, these, these particular section of supporters who, um, how shall we say this? Probably, don't go to as many games as some of the other ones for whatever reason. Anyway, they were all up in arms saying basically what's Milner doing playing. And overall, the reason he was playing is because there wasn't really Klopp didn't think there was anybody else he could turn to. There was no Thiago. I mean, I, I personally would have picked Cater, but you know, it was Klopp's call. And in the first half with Milner, is that while his distribution wasn't particularly great, in fact, it was probably awful. He was getting in the way of things and he was you know, making some blocks and some tackles. And unfortunately, he made one tackle too many and gave away the free kick that you know, that, that, that ended up being the first goal. Although it wasn't a lot you could do about Kovacic's finish. That player who, by the way, on Friday, I said he always has a good game against Liverpool. So, you know, I'll call that one so it's all my fault again. Uh, but second half, Miller just got really tired. The game was played at about six billion miles an hour. Henderson, first half, just seemed to think the ball was, you know, had to be hit at neck height. 
not sure what they're playing at. And Fabinho, Kevin Kante just kept on running past Fabinho like he wasn't there. Now, was that because Fabinho was tired? He wasn't fully fit or he was having to cover the other gaps for Henderson and Milner's day got tired? And we, we don't know. But certainly the midfield, what was interesting is that when he went to 2 2, I thought Liverpool played a lot better in the second half and had a bit more control. But they made the changes, didn't they, when Kate and Oxlade Chamberlain came on? And they also changed the, the tactics ever so slightly, took a few steps back. It was too late by then. They should have done that, not made the substitutions, but should have done that approach when it was 2 0. Then they would have had a better chance. But it's like the Atletico Madrid game. They went 2 0 up, got carried away. It was 2 0 by half time. Um, they, obviously, they got the penalty there to, to, to win that one. Uh, Brighton, they were 2 0 up, weren't they, early? And just but that particular day, they didn't play well throughout. So I wasn't too surprised by that one. And as we've said, they've lost the leader against uh, Brentford. Tottenham, they were 2 on up. Yeah. And of course, then then there's Manchester City, which was one where that was the, the strange game where City absolutely annihilated them in the first half, didn't score. Liverpool scored two good goals, but just simply couldn't couldn't hang on. And that's kind of been the story of it, not being able to get that control in midfield. And that is down to, as I said at the, at the start of this question, the, the answer I should say is that they just haven't been able to put a consistent midfield out there. And I know Sean mentioned something about players who are no longer there. I'll mention the name, Juan Alder. And he's um, obviously he's gone. He's not coming back. Even you know, it would be amazed if he comes back. You know why would he? Kind of thing. But his ability to be there, as we've always said, is durability, and he's someone you can rely upon. He, he's that's what Liverpool have missed. He just got the job done. And I think Liverpool do have players that can get the job done. But the problem is they just aren't there at the moment in in number or form. So. If you put too many people in there that aren't playing particularly well or aren't full fitness or, as I say, could be recovering from, from illness. Because Henderson wasn't very well recently either, was he? But that was a couple of weeks ago now. So I do think that that's the frustration is the fact that, you know, the whole this kind of COVID thing that's happened at this particular time hasn't helped either. I mean, let's face it, they didn't have Alisson, they didn't have Firmino, they didn't have Matip. Once you start filling around with other areas of the team, while Kelleher did have a very good game, I thought, especially with the ball at his feet. A number of times he got he got it in his area and you were thinking, oh, he's going to lose this. But it shows you the confidence, not only that the management's having him, but his teammates having him. But he's, they just go, yeah, there's the ball and they expect him to do, say, what Alisson does. And that you, you kind of don't get that, for example, with, with Adrian. He's more of a shot stopper than anything else. And that perhaps explains why Kelleher over the past 18 months has got a, has got ahead of, of Adrian. But uh, overall, a little bit frustrating. But yeah, I agree with Sean, but then I agreed before the game was even played. It's going to take something incredible for Man City not to win the league. And as I said, if Man City, every year Man City don't win the league, their manager should be sacked. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I think it's it's interesting in, in terms of the, the midfield, Sean, in terms of, of Milner, because obviously the, the, the options were, were slightly limited. I know Jordan Henderson's played a lot of football as well as, as obviously being ill a couple of weeks ago. There's maybe a couple of question marks over them, but there were Naby Cater and, and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain on the bench who could have started that game. Jurgen Klopp chose not to play those two and played Milner instead. Obviously, that backfired a little bit, I think it's fair to say. But what do you think it says about Cater and, and Oxlade-Chamberlain, the fact that it was a big game, they were there, but they still weren't picked? I think I was thinking about that when the team she dropped and I was, as Dory said, I was participating a little bit myself in the in the, in the team new shield because <laughs> I, I, I was questioning that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, the, the kind of reasoning I came to was that, you know, there was a couple of inexperienced defenders in the back line 
in the shape of, well, you know, inexperienced by Liverpool standards of being in this team, in the shape of Kanate and Simakash. So maybe Milner offers a little bit more coverage in a defensive respect than Cato and Oxley chamberlain And I think as well, there was just the idea of having attacking, attacking options on the bench to, to be retained to, that you could then bring on. Um, in case the game, you know, wasn't quite going to plan, which obviously <laughs> that that did happen, and they both came on. As Tony said earlier, I'd, I'd say probably a little bit too late. But the, the midfield, I mean, it's 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 a strange one, isn't it? I think the, the game yesterday, those three players are all three very good players. You can work in a Liverpool midfield, but they combined in this game to almost make themselves individually look worse than they are, and and it it comes down exactly to what Doyle was saying of of balance and makeup and combinations and. I was looking before at the minutes that, that certain players in the Liverpool squad have played in the Premier League this season. And as Doyle said, you know, the thing that you cannot replace about Wijnaldum is the availability and, and the durability. And we've had, this season, Henderson alone has played almost 1,400 Premier League minutes. Whereas if you add up the minutes of Keita, Thiago and Jones all together, it gets to just above 1,500. So, you know, that's essentially the, the, the player that you need in this system, the one who releases the pressure you can circulate it a bit, who under duress and under a bit of, you know, pressure from opposition midfielders or attackers can just keep hold of the ball and do the things you need to do to settle in a game and to be able to control as well as compete. That that player, there isn't a consistent presence in the squad who can do that. Well, you know, when, when Thiago is there doing it, Liverpool win games or, or they certainly don't lose them. You know, he's he's been conspicuous by his absence for... Um, well, he wasn't playing against Leicester, was he? He came on, I think, quite late on in the defeat to West Ham. But all of the, those games we mentioned earlier where Liverpool had leads and then drew, he didn't play in any of them. And it, and it, when it comes to the combinations, I think you need, if you haven't got Thiago, at the very least, you need Cater or Jones, someone who can do those elements of what Wijnaldum could do and just circulate the ball and, and be the out ball in midfield almost, you know, the, the player you give it to when there is a bit of stress around. And, and I think that's the thing, like, like Dory said before about Summer Henderson's <laughs> attempts at passing against against Chelsea, it was quite erratic and, you know, he was just under pressure and he looked out the side of him and and there was no one there really who you thought, well, if I give the ball to this guy, he'll, he'll get us out. And yeah, it's it, it's hard. I mean, it goes back in the summer, doesn't it, to all the questions Klopp was asked about, are you confident you've got what you need in the squad? And even now, I'd say that question isn't answered because... The skill sets are there in the squad. I think between those three players I've mentioned there, you've probably got people who have the ability to replace Wijnaldum. And certainly in the sense of Thiago, Cater at his best, maybe even Jones in the future. They, they could be better than Wijnaldum in the sense that they can do what he does to an acceptable standard and be more progressive and help Liverpool be you know, an even more threatening team. But are they going to be available? And, and that's the key question. That's the one that people asked in the summer. It, you know, It was kind of a bit of a doom-laden prediction that, you didn't want to come true. And, and a few months into the season, didn't look like it would come true. But then you get to this stage now and, you know, the the, the bodies have dropped for, for various reasons, as we've already mentioned, you know, COVID included, which is it's just down to, you know, very bad luck. But yeah, I think that the midfield machine isn't working. And as much as Fabinho is a key cog in that, and, you know, Henderson or someone who has that driving presence and can get forward and join attacks is a key cog in that. It's it's that third wheel, isn't it? The, the out ball, the the pressure reliever, the, the circulator, who, if you haven't got one of the guys who's out at the moment, you haven't really got a chance. I'm glad you mentioned Curtis Jones then, by the way, because he obviously, he's not been playing for the past two months. He came on, didn't he, in the injury time. There was one bit where he 
well, he's only played about four or five minutes. He got the ball and basically ran straight across the back of the Liverpool back line and went past about two or three Chelsea players who were coming up. And that, that's the kind of, you're right about saying about Juan Alden. I think he kind of fitted in that role, didn't he, for a couple of weeks back in, I think yeah. it was late September, October. Playing against Man City, had a good game there. So that, again, is someone that, that Liverpool have missed. It's these, probably got is a lot of people just see the names, don't they? You just see the names and go, well, what, what's he done? Look, what's he done? I mean, how many he played? How old is he? What are his assists? How many has he scored? And it doesn't really, that's always been the problem with Van Alden, wasn't it? What does he actually do? I can't see any of these things, you know. But anybody watched the games, there's a reason why Klopp played him in every single, almost every single game. And then the one time that he didn't play him, which was the semi-final against Barcelona, they get beat three, well, they played him up front for one game. And then when, when only when they bring him on one half time, did they actually go on to win the game. So let's learn there. Um, but yeah, Curtis John, well, Keita and Oxley Chamber the same. They're what I'd call ball carriers primarily. I mean, Fabinho and Henderson and well, Milner, a rather slow pace, can all do it. Um, I mean, Fabinho, the one time Fabinho did do it in the second half, it's when they created a chance, didn't they? I can't remember where, where it was, who it was, but he kind of just broke through the lines. Jota, I think, could have been, could have been, I believe he was offside anyway, wasn't he? Yeah. But I think, I'm not sure whether that came across on television. It was given, you know, the one where Jota had the shot and Mendy said that that yeah. was actually offside, yeah. he'd given it as offside, but. But yeah, I mean, Oxley Chamberlain can do that. Kate can definitely do that. But so can Jones. And going back to what I said initially, he showed that in that very rare glimpse of something that basically Henderson and Milner and Burley Fabinho had done all game, and that that would relieve a bit of pressure. So I think we'll see a bit of Jones over the next few weeks. But again, we've got to bear in mind he's not played for two months. I mean, he's not been unfit, unfit because he had the eye problem. He just wasn't allowed to play. But again, he's another one that's had COVID, so we'll have to see what's happened with him. So. Just because players are coming back doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be full. And he's somebody who he won't be at match sharpness, but they might not have any choice to play him, especially when it comes to the game on Thursday, which we'll get to eventually where, you know, me and Paul Ghost are going, there's every chance we're on the bench. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, certainly a, an interesting couple of weeks ahead in terms of, of the midfield. There was also a bit of a, a conversation yesterday, Sean, about the, the high line that Liverpool play. I mean, Jurgen Klopp isn't going to change that. It's, it's not something that, you know, has suddenly gone badly and, and has suddenly stopped working. It's something he's done for a long time to, to good success. What what do you sort of make of, of that? I mean, from my point of view, as I say, obviously it's not going to change. Liverpool scored the goal with Sadio Mane because they were all high up the pitch and they won the ball from that area of the pitch. I mean, that's not really the issue, is it? It's, it's more the midfield for me. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And touching on, you know, what Doyle said earlier, and I think a point that Jamie Carrick has made a few times is I, I don't think that approach is wrong certainly at the outset of games. And it's not wrong in the, in the vast majority of games, but what worries me about Liverpool this season, it, it comes down to that word all the time, control. And, you know, the option, surely, that you do have as, as any football club, if you're winning in a game, is to drop a little bit and to try and control games in a different way than being on the front foot. And, you know, it, 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 it's hard, isn't it? It's, it's I would love to know the precise instructions that were going out to that Liverpool team at 2-0 at Stamford Bridge, because... It, 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 you can you can look at it either way, can't you? At that point, you can think, well, you know, do you try and sit on that lead? Do you drop your line a little bit? Try and just circulate the ball? As we've already said, did Liverpool necessarily have the players on the pitch to do that? Did they really have them on the bench? You could have brought Cater on a bit earlier. Um, and I think I think they probably would have done, ironically, if, if the, they still had that lead to try and protect it. But then, you know, there's quite a few games not that long ago where Liverpool have, have got a 1 or 2 nil lead away from home, you know, um, United is the obvious example. Um, you know, a lot of goals scored, albeit in slightly different circumstances at Goodison. So you kind of think maybe 
in the back of their minds a little bit that they just back themselves to to carry on and keep blowing teams away. So it, it, it's a hard one. But yeah, I think you're right, Matt. It fundamentally comes down to the structure of the midfield. And the, the goals the goals were tough to take. I think that second goal was very much one where there's a, a succession of errors that that leads to a a goal for the opposition. You know, you can you can look at runners being tracked from midfield. I know there were questions asked about Van Dijk and whether he was running back in a straight line, could he have come across? But what, what I would say though is is a couple of times this season, and I'm not trying to cry it in now, but like you think back to Brighton and you look at this game against Chelsea. Obviously, Liverpool have panicked after going to after being pegged back to two one, but like that goal from was it Muepu from Brighton and and the one from Kovacic. I mean, they are absolutely ridiculous goals, aren't they? Like you know, I don't know what the x the xg would be the tiniest ever dot you've ever seen on a on a on a graph for like you know one in fifty one in hundred chance. And I, I have a I think it's a little bit it's a little bit unfortunate really that the way that you know Liverpool have conceded those goals and then Liverpool are, are entirely to blame for for panicking at 2-1 and losing their heads and not being able to reset into the game, which they are still winning. But yeah, it's 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 tricky. I certainly wouldn't blame the defence. I think you can maybe say at times, as Doyle pointed out before, you know, you, you do wonder with Van Dijk, some of his decision-making and, and maybe the, the kind of leadership of the back line, is he, is he feeling himself? Is he feeling 100%? I'm, I'm not sure that he is. But I, I, again, I would just come down to the way the midfield is structured kind of radiates out across the team for Liverpool, doesn't it? It's they attack and defend as a unit all across the pitch, but the midfield sets the tone. It it wins the ball. It kind of starts attacks. Obviously, it protects the defence. And, and when that's not right, I think you start to see problems creeping into other areas. And, and that was the case at Chelsea. Something else they're missing is it's not just the midfield that's doing the defending, but it's also the forward line. And I think they're missing Firmino dropping in and getting in the way of people. I think yeah. that's not really Jota's natural game, although he just you know, he does like to come back and help out. He's not as defensively minded, so he's more like a body there getting in the way than anything else. So I do think that's something Liverpool needs to keep an eye on. In terms of the, the front three as well, Dorley, I thought Sadio Mane looked really good. He was probably slightly fortunate to be on the pitch longer than six seconds. But after that incident, he, he played really well. I suppose the, the only negative for Liverpool is now that he's played really well, they're not going to see him for a month. Well, yeah, unless Sadio will get knocked out really early on. Um yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, Mane, he has been a bit up and down. I mean, I was amazed when I wrote the story about he'd gone nine games without a goal. I hadn't even realised it was that long. I just because he, he's been, you know, he's popping up with... wasn't so much goal contributions. For example, against Newcastle, it was his cross that Jota headed. But because the keeper saved it, it comes back to Jota and he scores. It's not counted as an assist. And he doesn't get an assist for when he was through and the keeper saves and Salah puts it in. So he, he has been doing bits and bobs. But yeah, it's not... No, this has been the time that Liverpool, they've known has been coming for, what, 18 months, two years, something like that, whatever the, the, the you know, it got switched, didn't it, from, what was it, 2020, the summer of 2020 was meant to happen, wasn't it? Is that right? I think initially. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, they, they had they had one in the summer, didn't they? And then decided. Yeah, it was meant to be in the summer. Move it back. Then it got moved, I think, it was meant to be in the summer. Then it got moved to 2021, I think. And then it got put back a year to to now. So Liverpool have had it long enough to know that it's that it's coming. But uh, yeah, Mane and Sal, you know, nice nice farewell gift for them. But it does underline that even if you know, even if you know, even if Mane, for example, hadn't been particularly consistent over the last you know two months, he's been playing every game. There's a reason for that. He still gets stuck in. Klopp said that didn't he? Just because he's not been scoring the goals doesn't mean he's not been contributing to the overall play. So. 
I saw some people saying he was terrible against Chelsea on Sunday, and I was like, well, you know, what game are these people watching? Well, honestly, I just sometimes just think, you know, not everybody's right in their opinions, but come on. It's like saying Salah's, like, should be in the team of the year for 2021. Who'd do that? <laughs> uh, who indeed would do that? Uh, a question from LFC Spectre in the comments, Sean. He says, with no Salah and Mane, where are the goals coming from for Liverpool? If Jota has an off game like yesterday, it's worrying times ahead. Are you in agreement with that? And is there a little bit of a concern for you over the next few weeks? A little bit. I, I almost wouldn't say, though, that it revolves around Jota. You know, I think it's all about how you can form a forward line around him because the, the worry for me would be, if if it looks if it's Jota plus two, you know real standings, you know whether they have to like look to the youth ranks or play people out of position, then that's when I start to get worried because you know like Jota's had an excellent season by and large, and it really did have his moments against Chelsea, albeit as as you guys pointed out before that the ball didn't really stick to him, and I think if, if Firmino had been fit and available, it, it felt like a game where he would have thrived and helped out in midfield as well. But having said that, I think if, if Liverpool are able to put forward lines out that carry a bit of threat around Jota so it's not just the case of the opposition being able to mark him out the game. I think I think this should be okay over the coming weeks. Um, I'd, I'd almost play it like for, for the next two or three, or certainly for the Arsenal games, Jota's your main man, isn't he? Obviously, Firmino, you would doubt will be available certainly for the first leg against Arsenal because of his COVID situation. But then look at those two league games after that and just plot Firmino's course to get back for them to be the main man and, and lead the line in those games. But yeah, it's it's it all for me comes down to who you can play alongside Jota. And realistically, it's it's Origi, isn't it? It's Minamino. It's hoping that they come back as soon as possible. Um, hopefully, but at least one of them for the Arsenal first leg, ideally both of them for that second leg. Um, and then a little bit of experimentation. You know, I think there was, it was no kind of coincidence. It wasn't a, a, a rush or panic decision that the Ox went into that front line against Chelsea. I think that would have been having a little look as well, wouldn't it? Partly for the games that are to come and it's a tactic we've seen before. So that's something that could come into play. But no, I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too concerned. That it's, it, that's one snapshot in a game against a very, very good team. And, you know, Arsenal are also a good team. But I think Liverpool will find goals over the next couple of weeks. But the, the degree to which that will be true will, will depend on who comes back and how quickly. Yeah, none of Mane, Salah or Naby Keita available on Thursday. We'll move on to that game next and preview that one. As Sean says, it's Arsenal in the first leg of that Carabao Cup semi-final. I thought, Doody, they were actually quite impressive against Manchester City at the weekend. But then familiar failures in Granite Xhaka and a daft red card, it, it sort of changed everything in that one. But it's going to be at least a lot tougher this game than it might have been over the past two or three seasons. I think it's going to entirely depend on how seriously Arsenal take it. We knew Arsenal got an FA Cup. Do you know? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody, but we'll find that out by the. Sure, they get taken away, then find out for forest, us. Forest, forest away. So not not forest an easy away. one. Not an easy one. Steve Cooper's lads there. They're doing a bit better under under the former Liverpool youth coach. So uh, there's link there. Well done, well done. We've segued that nicely. Um, <laughs> by the way, what's what's happening with my screen? It's suddenly gone really, really bright, and I, I don't know. It's, it's got dark in here in darkest Saint Helens. You know, we don't really do daylight too much. Um, <laughs> Anyway, yeah, Arsenal. I think a lot will depend on how Arsenal treat the game. I think we know what Liverpool are going to do, purely because Liverpool don't have any choice, any other choice. But Arsenal do. And I think what's going to be interesting when we get into our team selection is that Liverpool's game in between is an FA Cup game against Trosbury Town. Now, 
there's three games that normally just rotate the players, but he's not. Klopp isn't going to rotate all of the players for all three of those games. So, in the sense that he's not going to rest, for example, you know, the, the main players for all three of those games. They're going to play in some of them. Which one are they going to play in? Does he stick with his League Cup team for the League Cup because it's got them this far, or does he change because they're so close to a, to a final, which they they would have a chance of winning, or does he go right? I'm going to put the the main team into the FA Cup because it's a chance for us to win another trophy. So I'll, I'll play it. And there's no replays. So we know that they're just going to be played when not league games would have been played normally. So we'll just go go ahead and put a strong team out in the FA Cup. So there are choices to to, to make for, for Jurgen Klopp. But again, it's down to the players. How many has he got left? He might not, this is this is assuming nobody else gets COVID as well, by the way. That's the that's the other thing is that the way things are going, it's looking like every other every 10 days they're getting two or three. And until that stops, you know, they're already lost three players. They're going to be without another. They're going to be at least without eight, nine players on um, on Thursday. So it may just be a case of needs and must. But it, let's just put it this way: I'd be amazed if Liverpool started Arsenal with the kind of young team that started against Leicester. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, it'd certainly be be interesting, won't it, Sean? You'd think surely for a semi-final, that's got to take the, the priority. Obviously, a much more difficult game than at the weekend as well. I think it's it's fair to say. So, I mean, we, we did speak a little bit about the importance of the Carabao Cup on Friday's podcast, but I was interested in, in your take as well, obviously, given the way things have gone since then with the Premier League title races. That now a bigger priority for Liverpool? Is that something that Jurgen Klopp should look at and, and have a real go at from this point? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think there's there's no excuse not to really at this stage, is there? Especially the way the fixtures fall. And I think it's interesting now we've discovered who Arsenal do play in the, in the FA Cup. I think when you compare that to to Liverpool um, and, and the tie against Shrewsbury, which isn't a gimme, but at least it's a home game in the third round, which, you know, there's been so many draws, hasn't there, in recent years where either it's not been away from home or it's been a Premier League side. It's just It's just been difficult, you know, compared to some of the ties that City have been thrown. I, I think it, it's an opportunity. The, the way that the title's going as well does absolutely put a different complexion on it. And as you say, Matt, it's a semi-final, isn't it? You know, you're know, you three games away from lifting a trophy. You know, All you probably need to do is play really well in one of the two legs now and, and avoid defeating the other. And, and you're there, you're, you know, you're, at, you're at Wembley and the fans will want to see that. So, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think Arsenal... They're in a good place, Andy, form and fitness-wise. That is the one thing that concerns me, as you guys have already discussed. Like, a, apart from, um, look, obviously, Gabriel's daft, daft two yellows. He, he'll be unavailable, won't he, for one of the games. There's obviously the Aubameyang situation, but I don't really think they've got too many injuries, which does give them an advantage in terms of plotting out the two legs and fitting in the FA Cup tie in between. But saying that, you would think that, it, let, let's say, you know, Liverpool had, had a few more players and, it, it was a bit easier to pick the team. You could probably say that it's more of a, a strong team against Arsenal and you can make a few more changes against Shrewsbury and hope to get through it. And I think looking at the other side of it as well, I've just, just had a look at the fixtures after the second leg. Liverpool got Brentford at home, which obviously is quite tricky, but it's a home game. Um, and Arsenal got Spurs away. And that, that's only three days after that second leg. So I really do think there could be one eye on that from Arsenal you know, players and, and manager and staff to much more of an extent than Liverpool will have one eye on Brentford. And I mean, obviously, you know, Liverpool need to go all out and win that game. But 
to, to have any chance of you know retaining pace with City. But yeah, I do think that the games that fall in between the two ties put a slightly different slant on it. I think as well, just the, these cup games now, it, it's a chance in a way for Liverpool to just forget about the title race for a little bit for, for two weeks and try and think back to how much of a fun journey it's been so far in the, in the Carabao Cup and how often that is the case where you get these little fairy tales. I'm, I'm convinced, I know people sometimes say the Klopp disrespects the domestic cups a little bit, but I think there's lots of counter arguments to that. You know, initially he had a few years where he was still building up his squad and to compete with City for the big prizes, you, you've almost got to do that. But I do wonder how deliberate it is sometimes that he says to the fringe players and the youngsters, go out there and test yourself against this team. And, you know, it's remarkable how often that conjures up a little fairy tale and a reference point for them that they can take forward and, you know, carry into the rest of their career. But, yeah, I, I, what I want from Liverpool over the next couple of weeks is to, is to take every single game seriously, not least these these Carabao ones, because there is the genuine prospect of silverware. I mean, there's good teams left in the competition, but you could make the argument Liverpool should be favourites, certainly if they are able to play strong teams in all the remaining games. But try and enjoy it and see then, if you're in a good position, and let's say Liverpool get through to the, the final of the Carabao and progress past Shrewsbury in the FA Cup, in a way, there's there's a horizon then, isn't it, beyond the the failure in the title race, essentially. You know there's you know that there's something coming. There's obviously still the Champions League as well. So, yeah, I, I think this offers a real opportunity for Liverpool. And as I said, there's no excuse not to give it a good go. Yeah, plenty of players to... Well, not plenty of players to pick from, but plenty of players to make decisions on in terms of the next couple of games. And we'll finish by picking our teams. Doyle, I'll come to you first. I mean, obviously, we don't know exactly the situation with the three players who've got COVID, Alisson being one of them. But I suppose you'd probably imagine that Quivine Kelleher would have a pretty good chance of playing anyway against Arsenal. Do you want to talk us through your, your goalkeeper and your back four? Well, I think we have to assume the three players are probably not going to be playing. <clears throat> Um, so that's them out. Uh, and anyway, Keller has the League Cup goalkeeper. Klopp said that loads of times, so he's playing. In terms of the rest of the defence, I mean, I'd go centre-back Canati and Gomez. Gomez needs a game. Canati looks in good form. Matip, he'll have, you know, he's obviously one that won't be able to play. Nat Phillips isn't fit yet. Billy Cometio might make the bench. Not sure on that one. Uh, and Virgil van Dijk probably just needs a bit of a breather because I think he'll probably play against against Shrewsbury. So I played those. Uh, I did a little bit of digging. Anyone, I, I, if you know the answer, don't shout out. But either of you two, when did Trent Alexander Arnold last play in the League Cup? I knew you were going to ask that question, but I'm not sure. Sean, I'm tempted to stay on mute for this one. No idea. <laughs> the answer, the answer is the second leg. At the semi-final against Southampton five years ago. He hasn't played oh, wow. since then. So he's only ever played three games. One of which was his debut, wasn't it? Yeah. Can't remember if it was Leeds or Tottenham or one of those. I'm pretty sure that was his debut. So, yeah. So I don't think he's going to be playing. Um, so Nico Williams will be right back. And then the left-back's interesting, actually. Because, obviously, Simicast has been doing well. Robertson has been out for a little while. Robertson might need the game time. So I, hmm, I'd probably go Robertson. So it'd be Robertson, Canati, Gomez, and Nico Williams and Kelleher. And that doesn't actually sound that bad, to be honest. I'm going to go a little bit stronger, actually. I think Van Dijk, you play him in this one rather than the weekend. I think probably the same for, for Nico, to be honest, Sean. But which way are you going to go with it? it the tricky thing is to, to kind of almost do this backwards. I, 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 would, I, I see the argument for Williams at the back, but I wonder whether he might be needed in a more advanced position just because of potential lack of options in attack. So... 
I've, I've just typed out a little team here. And yeah, I totally agree. Obviously, Keller has the one, isn't he? And then you can maybe play Adrian against Shrewsbury, perhaps, if you're looking to rotate in that department. Agree with Gomez and Canate. I'd agree with Robertson as well. I think bringing back in for this one, Simicast can play at the weekend. But I think I would play Trent just because when we get to my attack, Williams is in it. <laughs> Interesting little sneak peek from Sean there. Midfield, Doily, who are you going to go with? Come back to me on that one. Mm, it, it's hard, isn't it? I'm, I'm going to continue going strong. I think you've just got to ask Henderson to go again, Fabinho to go again, because they're not going to play at the weekend. And then it's it's one more, probably Navigator, and maybe save Oxlade-Chamberlain for the front three. Navigator can't play. He's not there. Oh, of course he can't. Then, oh, <laughs> what am I talking about? <laughs> then, then it'll have to be Oxlade, won't it? Um, I, I mean, I'd go Curtis Jones, uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain, Carnad Milner, because uh, he couldn't barely run in the second half. <laughs> I'd be worried about Fabinho. Promise Tyler Morton's played every single game in the League Cup, hasn't he? But do you really want to put him in in this one with those two? That's that's a massive ass, that is. So he might play against Shrewsbury. Yeah. So I probably, do you know what? I've changed my mind. I'm going to put Fabinho in there. So I'd have Fabinho with Jones and with Oxlade-Chamberlain. Is there not an argument, do you think? And I know Jurgen Klopp was, was kind of asked about his forward options. Uh, is Curtis Jones not a forward option, do you think, over the next few weeks, Doily? Well, he is. He is, he is a forward option, but I'm not playing in there. But, but Jurgen Klopp was, was asked about the, the players that could play in the front three, and he reeled off two or three different names last week and, and didn't mention Curtis Jones. It just seems crazy. To me, he's, he's better on the left-hand side of the front three than he is in midfield. It seems really odd that that isn't seemingly something that they're going to do. I can see why they're not doing it because I think they see long term his futures in midfield. That's where they want him to play. I think they can, it's easier for them to get left wingers than it is to get central midfielders. So I think they would rather have him there. Whether and be, you know, as I, as I said, he's somebody you can bring something a bit different to the midfield by being somebody who can also play on the left. The skills that he's learned on the left, he brings to the midfield along with all the stuff he already had as a midfielder. So yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, I'm playing him in the front three anyway. Sean, do you want to talk us through you, your midfield? Well, I've landed on Morton in the middle, but I, I I totally agree with the justification for Fabinho. But I do think he, he doesn't look something entirely right with him, does it, in terms of you know his recovery or whatever. So ideally, I think he'd get the break now. But then I think my Shrewsbury team's currently got him and Van Dyke in it, and it's looking very very strong. So yeah, I don't know. But Morton with Henderson and Jones either side of him is is what I've got. But I do think yeah, you, you can absolutely make the case for Fabinho, and it probably doesn't make more sense given. It's a tough, tough away game compared to a home game. Let's move to the front three then, Doily. We know Curtis Jones is one of mine, not one of yours. Who are your front three? Uh, well, Jota's got to start. Uh, Minamino's on the left because we're pretty sure he's going to be back. And I'm going with Kay Gordon on the right. Play plays in the position he's played before. and I, I'd, I'd have him in. I know he probably won't. They will probably play Oxlade-Chamberlain on the right and they'll probably put Henderson in midfield. But I'd go with that. Jones, Minamino and Jota for me, Sean. Who are you going to go with? Well, I've currently got Ox in the middle, Jota on the left and Williams on the right, but Gordon is... <laughs> You're not in charge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a bit of a fun one. Gordon is an interesting shout, though, but I'm going to I'm gonna save him for Sunday and he can be the, the youthful element of my very experienced team. Take he's on 17 years of age. He doesn't need saving for anything. Get him out there. <laughs> he's, he's, he's somebody who... This could be like his big stage, couldn't he? I, 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 I'm definitely playing him. Which yeah, is I can see why I'm not in charge. 
can certainly see him coming off the bench at, at least. I think he'll, he'll certainly be there, won't he? Um, with that in mind, let's go for some score predictions. I'm going to go for a one-all draw, I think. Doily, how do you reckon it might play out? 2-1 to Arsenal. Pessimistic one. We've not had a, a prediction of a Liverpool defeat for a little while, Sean. Are you with that or are you slightly more optimistic? No, I'm going to join you with 1-1. I think if, if Liverpool could get that and get some more players back next week, I think they'd be, they'd be very happy with that. 2-1 two, yeah, is two one is a good score, by the way. There's no way goals is there either. So I think even a two-goal defeat is not the end of the world. If it goes to three, then you'd be thinking that's a bit difficult. But I think Liverpool have shown they can at Anfield, they can certainly turn Arsenal over. Yeah, just keep themselves in it for the second leg, I'm sure. That will be the aim, but that just about brings us to the end of today's podcast. Plenty more Liverpool content, of course, to come over the next few days as we continue to build up to Arsenal. This particular show will, of course, be back on Friday with all of the reaction to the game. For now, though, my thanks go to Ian Doyle and for Sean Bradbury for joining me and for you at home for watching and listening. Until next time, though, it's goodbye. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.